We have a number of things to cover on this Friday edition of the podcast, but the most important thing is with the NFL playoffs here, Brock Purdy is lighting it up in the NFL. Is Jaron Hall capable of being the next Brock Purdy at the next level? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Katz, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys joining the show wherever you happen to be consuming it. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto around the network is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A quick reminder for you guys that our title sponsor today is our friends over at FanDuel. The FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. As I mentioned in the open, we got a number of topics to tap into, but the AFC and NFC Championship games are taking place this weekend. And if you're a BYU fan who roots your former Cougars and the pros, you've got essentially two teams you're rooting for. My beloved San Francisco 49ers have Fred Warner as their starting middle linebacker, a team captain, the guy who calls the defensive plays with green dot on his helmet with that transceiver. And then on the other side, in the AFC, you got Andy Reid, the old BYU player slash uh, undergraduate assist, uh, not undergraduate, a graduate assistant who's gone on just to absolutely having a marvelous career. He leads the Kansas City Chiefs into that game, along with two former Cougars on his practice squad. Zane Anderson, former BYU defensive back and linebacker, and then also Matt Bushman finally returned from that uh, collarbone uh break or right? the fracture he had earlier on in the season. Uh, he's now back on the practice squad with the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, if that's who you're rooting for, those are your former Cougars and those are the teams you're probably looking at. It should be a fantastic game. But going back to the San Francisco 49ers, and this was the subject of a piece done by The Athletic. It's been a very athletic-inspired week now that I think about it. But uh, they wrote a piece about Brock Purdy. Of course, uh, Purdy, a four-year starter at Iowa State, started 46 games for the Cyclones, a Big 12 school and uh, was Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick of the NFL draft this past year, number 200 and whatever it was. Uh, It wasn't much expected of him, but then when you lose Trey Lance to an ankle injury and then Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot, well, suddenly that uh, rookie, who's a third stringer, is thrust into the starting role and all he's done is gone undefeated uh, since taking over the starting job for the San Francisco 49ers. So that brings me to where Jaron Hall enters this conversation. The Athletic wrote this week, and I believe it's Andy Staples was one of the authors on this at least I that's who I saw mentioned let's see here yeah Andy Staples wrote okay so Andy Staples talks about the fact that Brock Purdy uh, came in to the NFL as a guy who was probably overlooked honestly if you look at all the metrics what he played at Iowa State the number of games he played in some ways he had more film than was good uh, for NFL scouts because they could see the warts in Brock Purdy's game and I'm, I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is the next you uh you insert great quarterback, San Francisco uh, lore, the next Joe Montana, for example. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is that, but this is a kid who's got a ton of moxie. He is very adept at just getting the ball to the playmakers on the San Francisco 49ers roster. And Andy Staples wrote this article with the premise of saying, okay, who is capable of being the next Brock Purdy in the NFL draft, in this upcoming draft? He went through a number of quarterbacks. He listed Max Duggan, who led TCU to the national championship game this past season. 
He also has Stetson Bennett from Georgia, of course, a two-time national champion now. Crazy that uh, he is currently ineligible to be elected to the College Football Hall of Fame, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, I bagged on this guy a little earlier this week. Tyson Badgen, I think is how you pronounce his name, is from Shepard, a Division II program. Uh, Dame Brugler has uh, Badgen as like the guy who's ahead of Jaron Hall in his QB tiers of NFL draft uh, cycle guys. Clayton Toon from Houston High, uh, Houston. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robbins from UCLA. Jake Hainer from Fresno State. Runs on all these different names. But he also included Jaron Hall. So let's talk about what he said about Jaron Hall. He lists Jaron Hall, BYU, six foot one, 205 pounds. Uh, this is what Staples wrote. Hall started two seasons at BYU, and it's impressive that his completion percentage and touchdown-to-interception ratio went up with only a slight dip in yards per attempt when you consider that his number two wide receiver from the previous year, Gunnar Romney, only played two games because of injury, and the player who was leading the Cougars and receiving in October, freshman Cody Epps, was lost for the remainder of the season to injury in Game 8. He adds this, Hall still averaged 8.4 yards per attempt and threw 31 touchdown passes with six interceptions, despite never having the kind of weapons around him that he expected having going into the season. He spread the ball around to good receivers, but more talent around Hall could produce bigger numbers. So, could Jaron Hall be the next Brock Purdy? I'm not saying it's an impossible thing, but uh, the thing about Jaron Hall is, I think that Jaron has got the moxie, the, how do you say this, the the the, the self-confidence, the, I guess the self-belief in a way, that he could go out there and be the guy for an NFL franchise. Uh, the more conversations I have with folks is that Jaron Hall is a day three prospect in the NFL. Does that mean he's going to be a seventh round pick like Brock Purdy? No, I've, I've had people tell me they think he's probably a fourth or a fifth round pick, and the Senior Bowl next week's going to go a long way to determining what NFL draft uh, scouts, also uh, team personnel, talent evaluators uh, from various uh, franchises around the NFL They'll all be in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl to watch Hall show what he can do. Uh, that, the last thing he says, though, he spread the ball around to good receivers. Obviously, Puka Nakua, his top target, will be in Mobile with him. But he says more talent around Hall could produce bigger numbers. Well, Jaron Hall had some fantastic numbers at BYU. And if he's able to produce more than that... That'd be an absolutely marvelous thing uh, to see him show what he's capable of doing. I think that Jaron Hall is going to make an NFL franchise really proud to have him on their roster. I'm not saying he's going to walk in and have a Russell Wilson-like impact where Russell Wilson was a third-round pick and ends up uh, starting right away as a rookie for the Seattle Seahawks. has gone on to have a pretty decent career. I would say borderline Hall of Fame career for Russ, but uh, a guy like Jaron Hall is going to walk into an NFL franchise. I think he's going to impress them A, with his work ethic, B, with his ability to play within the structure of whatever offense they ask him to do, and C, just his overall leadership qualities. Uh, there was none more so evident in the leadership thing than when he took Jake uh, Oldroyd and gave him a hug after that game and said, hey, we still got you, man. Jake Oldroyd had his struggles this year and very easily could have been essentially uh, put off into purgatory by his teammates, but his team captain, the guy who led the BYU Cougars this past season, said, "You know what? I'm going to go embrace this kid, literally, and we're gonna we're gonna get through this." And Jake ended up finishing his career at BYU on a pretty decent note after the, all those struggles throughout the middle part of the season. So. What I like about Jaron Hall is the fact that the NFL is taking note of what this young man is capable of doing. He's an older kid. He's not going to get you into trouble. He's a husband, a father. He's got a lot of the the quote-unquote red flags an NFL franchise may flag him for. uh, May flag, not him, but flag other guys for. None of that's going to be an issue with Jaron. He's got a level head. I've always enjoyed my interactions with him. The nice part is uh, when during media uh, media availabilities at BYU, for example, he'd walk up uh, another player 
player would be talking or a coach would be talking. And I like to stand back a little bit and uh, kind of observe for a little bit from a distance when these general media sessions are going on. And Jaron, a couple of times, walked up right next to me, just kind of waiting for his turn in front of the cameras. And I would just turn and say, hey, Jaron, what's going on? He's like, how are you, man? And he, he, he's just, he's, he, he's a normal human being who has just incredible skills. That's the thing about this. So I'm actually glad that Andy Staples wrote about Jaron Hall here. Do I think that he's capable of going in as a rookie and end up taking over a job like uh, Brock Purdy has and make an absolutely incredible run like Purdy has for the 49ers? I'm not saying it's impossible, but the thing about this is... you. you, <laughs> In a way, the Niners have struck lightning in a bottle. They got so many weapons with the San Francisco 49ers. And I sound like an apologist. I get that. I'm rooting for my 49ers to make the Super Bowl. I Let me acknowledge all that right up front. But what Purdy has done is he's come in and just said, you know what? I know I'm not the star. I am not the guy. I'm not Tom Brady out here. I'm not Aaron Rodgers out here. My job is to get Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayu, Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, etc. the ball and let them do their thing. That's what Jaron Hall's capable of doing as well. I think that Jaron is going to come in and make a very good impression with whatever franchise he happens to land with. And I, for one, will be rooting Jaron on the entire way. And it's exciting to think that the last two starting quarterbacks for BYU are both going to be in the NFL next year. And whatever you want to think of Zach Wilson, whatever. He's the number two overall pick for a reason. The New York Jets fell in love with him in the draft process. They've screwed up that whole thing. They just hired, uh, who was it? Um, uh, the Denver Broncos coach. I probably should have this up in front of me, but uh, Daniel Hackett. That, that's who they hired. Nathaniel, not Daniel. Nathaniel Hackett as their OC. Good luck, Zach. But nonetheless, it's a very, very fun thing to see a guy like Jaron Hall living out his dream. And it's good that he's come through all the injuries, all the ups and downs he's had at BYU. And now it looks like he's getting some pretty decent uh, hype. Now, hopefully, that Senior Bowl next week will have even more hype coming for him if he can put on a good performance. We'll have uh, people down there from the Locked On Network throughout the week down there at the Senior Bowl. We'll be checking in with them, trying to get as many updates as we possibly can. So stay tuned for that. Coming up next, like I said, we've got a number of things we've got to touch on today's show. Uh, is San Diego State playing hardball with the Pac-12 and threatening to join the Big 12? Well, a comment from their AD sure indicates as such. Also, BYU offered an athlete, uh, an actual scholarship offer that could shake up BYU's run up to National Signing Day. Got a couple of questions that were stragglers that came in uh, from yesterday's podcast as well. And also, we need to look back at an absolute curb stomping of Hawaii in 2012 as our look back at all 155 BYU football games in their independent era rolls on. We'll get to more of all of that in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. And of course, FanDuel is the brand new uh, sponsor here, our new sports betting partner for the Locked On Podcast Network. And that's because they are the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better, my friends. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, all you got to do is join today and get started with a $150 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Do it this weekend with the NFC and AFC Championship. You got a good feeling about this since Cincinnati Bengals, the Chiefs, the Niners, or the Eagles. Place that bet, win or lose, 150 bucks in free bets coming your way from our friends over at FanDuel. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, no matter what you're looking for. They've got it for you guys. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay feature. And the best part is, like I said, this weekend with the AFC and NFC championships, they got you there. NBA games, college hoops, no matter what you're interested in, get 
to our friends over at FanDuel. The best part, it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more of FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars right here, making it your first listen of the day. I want to make sure you guys check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You'll hear from insiders, players, coaches, and just get the overall sense for what the college hoop scene looks like. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, diving back in here. So I-, I was reading an interesting piece from CBS Sports, and it comes from Dennis Dodd, who lives in Big 12 country. Uh, he's writing about San Diego State. And Dennis Dodd recently visited San Diego to see what the Aztecs are doing. Snapdragon Stadium that they have built is just an absolute jewel. $310 million investment. Some saying that if they were to build it today, it'd actually be more of like an $800 million investment. And San Diego State sure looks like like a home run for the Pac-12 to bring them in uh, when USC and UCLA decide to move on. Now, the Pac-12 also has to get a move on on their media rights negotiations. The whole thing with the $50 million uh, being uh, not reported not reported or being held by the Pac-12 from a distribution partner obviously is going to throw, I think, a wrench in some of those negotiations. But the conversation has been that San Diego State is essentially a no-brainer for the Pac-12. And I still believe that to be the case. If the Pac-12 wants San Diego State, I feel like they are going to be in the in the Pac-12. But... Their AD, uh, Joe Wicker, I believe was his name, uh, was speaking uh, to uh, to Dennis Dodd, uh, and uh, not Jack McGregor. He also spoke in this piece. But the thing about this, J- J.D. Wicker, that was the name. Okay, so uh, J.D. Wicker mentions this. He says that you want San Diego State in your league at a full media rights share because you don't want us in the Big 12. All the Big 12 schools would have a reason to come to South- Southern California to recruit, unquote. I love it. If you're San Diego State, you play hardball with the Pac-12. Absolutely stick it to them. And by the way, if the Big 12 is interested in an expansion, you know what? I I know that would extend you from UCF all the way to San Diego. So from Central Florida and West Virginia to all the way to San Diego, there's a lot worse places to go when the late season and winter months come than America's finest city in San Diego. If the Big 12 wants to kick the tires on this, go for it, Brett Yormark. And by the way, I... Props to J.D. Wicker. Now that's a quote. You want San Diego State in your league at a full meteor ride share. We are not taking a cut rate to get into your league, Pac-12. You want us? Come get us. And you're going to pay us to come into that league. I absolutely love that. I was just reading that. I'm like, okay. I can, mad, mad, mad props. Mad respect to you, J.D. Wicker, because that that takes some balls. Because a lot of people out there would be like, you know what? We'll just take whatever you can give us. If you, if you, if you want us in the league, we'll, we'll take it. And that, I can understand that. But... The bigger thing I think for BYU is not for BYU for the for the for San Diego State and the Pac-12 is get the get the deal done. The nice part about the Big 12 is they made the move, and yes, maybe they are going to be on the lower end in terms of overall payouts in terms of the base rate. But the Big 12 got the job done, and they're going to be on a linear network. I know that Amazon is quote unquote on the future, but how many of you out there truthfully enjoy streaming? The, and I, I I'm a cord cutter. Let me acknowledge that. But how many of you truly uh, enjoy having to go to Amazon to watch one game, having to back out of that app? Go to another app to watch another game. There is a there is a perk to being on linear network slash cable TV where you can flip between those channels with your remote. And that's the thing about this. There's going to be a, I think there's going to be a streamlining process with that hopefully in the future. But you're 
placing a big bet on the streaming sphere if you're the Pac-12 going in with going on going going in with Amazon, even if it is going to give you some extra money. Now, sticking on the California theme, BYU actually added a new offer uh, to their pile of athletes they are pursuing in the lead up to National Signing Day, and that is Nasseri Danielson, who is he's listed six foot two, played both wide receiver and safety for St. Mary's High School in Stockton, California. Now, this is obviously up in the Bay Area, but it's still the California connection. I tweeted this out yesterday. I says, blessed to receive an offer from BYU. And honestly, I had no clue who Nasseri Danielson was until I saw this tweet. So what I did is I went and looked up his uh, 24-7 profile. Uh, he's got offers from Army, Navy, and Nevada that came along early on in the process, but he just hasn't necessarily gotten a ton of interest, it feels like. But I looked at his film, and this is a guy who I think BYU would come in and try and swoop up as an athlete. I don't know if he ends up playing offense or defense. I think he's probably better suited to play uh, on the defensive side of the football. He's not necessarily as polished a wide receiver as you probably would like uh, coming in out of the high school ranks. But just watching his film, this is a long, fluid athlete who BYU could do a lot worse than bringing in. Of course, BYU, it's a Power 5 offer, his first Power 5 offer with the Cougars giving him that. Uh, We'll see if they're able to get him on an official visit this weekend because it's the final opportunity to get him out to Provo in the lead-up to National Signing Day. So if he's going to make the visit, he's got to roll in this weekend. But uh, this is an interesting thing. I, I, he's like he's a guy that six foot two, two hundred some odd pounds. This is like the hallmark of what BYU has done with their defensive secondary in recent years. So they kind of gone out and they've looked for guys that are long, lengthy athletes who are just capable of making plays on the back end of BYU's defense. And have I had, have they had to develop some of those guys? Absolutely. But the nice part about a guy like Nasseri Danielson is he's polished on both having both played offense and defense in his high school career. This is not a guy like a Chris Wilcox who played offense his entire high school slash growing up years, comes to BYU and said, you know what you're going to learn how to do? You're going to learn how to backpedal and you're going to go out and try and uh, break up passes. That's not uh, what he has to do. He's got this capability of playing both ways for BYU. But the way I see it, I think he's probably more of a defensive back prospect. But I think BYU, if they do ultimately land his signature on National Signing Day, I would imagine it's probably going to be as an athlete and just see where he ultimately fits, find a good spot for him if he picks the Cougars. And uh, based on just kind of reading between the lines, it seems like BYU is trying to come in late here and scoop up a guy that has kind of been overlooked in the process. And there's a lot worse things you can do than this. He's a three-star prospect on 24-7, so kind of right in the wheelhouse what BYU BYU typically is recruited, and like I said, I, it's not necessarily like a home run. Like L.J. Martin, still for me is like that guy that he he he's that dude. Like you want L.J. Martin to come in and be the next great BYU running back. He sure looks like that type of guy. Nasari Danielson, he's more of a. a a low-risk, potential high-reward type guy. You bring him in thinking, okay, he's got capability of contributing on both sides of the ball. We'll find a spot for him, see how he develops, and we'll see if if it pays off in the end. So I think this is actually a very savvy pickup for BYU. And the nice part is for a guy like Nasseri Danielson, he can look at BYU's recent run with defensive backs and think, okay, I got an opportunity here. So, like, for example, the NFL PA Bowl, which is taking place in Southern California this weekend, uh, Caleb Hayes is down there, as well as Harris Lachance. They're both participating in that game. will be uh, taking place tomorrow on Saturday if you want to tune in and watch I believe it's on the NFL Network uh, but uh, apparently Caleb Hayes made all kinds of impressions stands 5 foot 11 but actually measured the longest arms of all the defensive backs at the bowl game 33 and a half inch arms those are long arms quote unquote go-go gadget arms where he can get up and break up passes and that actually uh 
lines up with what Caleb Hayes did at BYU. The crazy thing about Caleb Hayes' time at BYU is in two years of being a starting cornerback for BYU, never had an interception. It's crazy to think about, but he did have 23 pass breakups. So this is a guy who is plenty productive, and we all know that Caleb Hayes was a guy that was a jovial attitude, a fun guy to interview, always had great interactions with him, but he also was a great ball player. And I'm hopeful that he gets his opportunity in in the NFL. Uh, Biggest thing for him is to be able to go out and showcase events like this at the NFLPA Bowl and be able to say, okay, you can you saw those go-go gadget arms. Let's show what I can do on the field against elite talent that I've not faced before. Because that's the biggest thing is you're putting these athletes in situations where they haven't faced a lot of these guys in their college career. So the familiarity isn't there necessarily. And they just got to rely on their training and their skills. And that's, that's a fun part for a guy like Caleb Hayes. So it sounds like he's making some hay this week. Does that mean he's going to be a draft pick? I can't guarantee that. But it sounds like there are NFL teams. I believe I saw a report that the Washington Commanders, it was from the uh, uh, one of the pro football network or something like that, said that he had met with the Washington Commanders about uh, a potential interest in him. It's a great opportunity for a guy like him. And same thing for Harris Lachance. Playing offensive line at BYU, played both guard and tackle. I would imagine he's probably building himself as a tackle at the next level, being six foot eight. But best of luck to both of those gentlemen in that showcase event. So uh, just going back to the Nasari Danielson thing, he can look at a guy like Caleb Hayes and say, okay, yeah, I can I can do that type of a thing. And uh, Danielson doesn't necessarily seem like a guy you, you bring in. He's probably not going to stick at cornerback. I think he ends up probably at safety if he does uh, play on the defensive side of the football for BYU. But they've had a great run here. Malik Moore, honestly, if Malik Moore had had a healthy season for BYU, he would be a guy who I would imagine would be a pretty decent NFL draft prospect. Just so happens he broke his hand in the fourth game of the season, had a redshirt year as redshirt, and he's going to come back to BYU and hopefully enjoy that healthy senior year and BYU's first year as a Big 12 member. And the nice part is he's a proven commodity in that back end of that defense. That's a nice thing to have when you're going up against uh, Big 12 teams in your first year of membership in that conference. Alright, so there you go. Uh, running down some of the news and notes with regards to the Big 12, NFL Draft, all that stuff. We will round out today's show with updates on the women's basketball team in action tonight. Uh, not tonight. Speaking of tonight when I record the podcast, uh, we'll also talk about BYU men's basketball in action against St. Mary's tomorrow. And also a quick look back at an absolute shellacking of Hawaii in 2012 as I look back at all 155 BYU football games continues right here on Locked on Cougars. First word on our friends over at UCCU. UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard, my friends, and to celebrate, they are giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state of Utah, and the new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's new interactive teller machines, or I ITM for short. They provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional in either the branch or right from your vehicle. The best part is a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So to celebrate the new UCCU branch, enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The winner will be announced in April, just in time for you to have some summer fun with it. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard today, conveniently located right next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at uccu.com. The best part is you do not have to be a member of UCCU to enter and there's no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. It means the world to me uh, that you guys download the podcast, watch it on YouTube, comment on it, and I welcome any and all comments, even some of the trolls out there that love to interact. You know what? I, I embrace it. I absolutely love it. And you guys uh, apparently thought that BYU, unlike me, I thought BYU was a winner in the transfer portal. number of you not necessarily thinking BYU was much of a winner at all. So 
time will tell. We'll see if those guys that BYU's brought in via the transfer portal versus the guys they lost, if it is that net positive or net negative. But I'm of the opinion, I think it's more of a net positive. But hey, we'll have to kind of wait and see on that front. Now, uh, we got two things, We got actually three things we got to touch on. So first things first, uh, congratulations to the BYU women's basketball team. Nani Falatea and Lauren Gus combined for 45 points as BYU absolutely crushed St. Mary's 74-59 to in their matchup in Moraga. Pelletea had her uh, career high of 25 points on 9 of 13 shooting. And obviously, Gustin continued her historic season with their 20th double double in 21 games. She had 20 points on 8 of 17 shooting while also grabbing 20 boards. Another 2020 game for Lauren Gustin. Congratulations to the women's basketball team. They have now won 8 of 9 of their last games. It's a fantastic run that they're enjoying right now. And apparently, uh, Coach Whiting's doing some good things with a women's basketball team. So best of luck to them as they continue their play out in the Bay Area this weekend. Also, the men's team in action tomorrow night, hosting number 22 St. Mary's at the Marriott Center. BYU 14-9. They are 9-2 at home this year. St. Mary's 18-4, but just 3-0 away from home. St. Mary's always uh, loads up on their home slate in the non-conference. This is going to be a very very tough game for BYU to win. But this is when Mark Pope, I think, could make some hay with this squad. And what I mean by that is he can go to each one of his guys and say, you know what? Nobody believes in you guys. You lost back-to-back games last week at Santa Clara and USF. People are off the train right now. People are off on you guys. They're just down on you. They don't think you can do much of anything. St. Mary's is leading the West Coast Conference. They're expected to come here and absolutely crush us. Well, the best part is that if you're St. Mary, if you're, excuse me, if you're BYU facing St. Mary's, just go out and play loose. That's the thing about this. Is St. Mary's, the pressure is on them. They are now leading the West Coast Conference, obviously by virtue of that upset from LMU over Gonzaga. They're 7-0 in the West Coast Conference, and they want to stay ahead of Gonzaga. So they have pressure on them to continue to win. Now, I'm not saying that St. Mary's is not a very good team. Uh, Aiden Mahaney absolutely lights out. 15 points per game on average. Mitchell Saxon and Alex Dukas, uh, excuse me, and also Logan Johnson, all averaging around 12 points per game. They are a high-powered team, but they play the style that they play, and it's a slowdown game. This is going to be a knockdown dragout, as always is. Randy Ben is going to have a smug little look on his face. He's out there barking at the officials. And the thing about St. Mary's, and I talk about this with friends of mine, and we talk about this in the NBA. There are teams and players that the reputation precede them, and officials officiate the game differently for them. St. Mary's is one of those teams. And you can't, I don't have any way to necessarily quantify this, but any of you who watch what St. Mary's does, they play a rough and tumble style that they essentially tell referees, you're going to call that essentially. And it's like, it's like the Draymond Green effect in the NBA. There are, man hundreds, I feel like, of players in the NBA, if they pulled some of the hijinks and some of the crap that Draymond Green gets away away with with the Golden State Warriors, they would have been essentially, I don't know, I'm not saying like they wouldn't be thrown out of the league, but they would be just like hated. And Draymond Green has plenty of haters. Let me be very, very clear about this. But in-game, some of the stuff that Draymond Green pulls, he essentially looks at the referee and says, what are you going to do about it? That's what St. Mary's is like here. So BYU, they've got to go out there and say, you know what, we're going to play our style. And if we're going to have to get a little dirty about it, get dirty dirty's the wrong word. If we're going to have to get a little down in the dirt and wrestle around with you guys to beat you, 
Let's do it. That's the thing about this. There's nothing to lose here for BYU. It's similar to the situation when they played Gonzaga just a couple of weeks ago. Not even a week, it was two weeks ago, but nonetheless. Gonzaga came in. BYU had little to no pressure. They were a double-digit underdog. It's a similar situation here with St. Mary's. Go out there, play loose, play your style, and BYU should have beat Gonzaga. Can you pull a similar type performance against St. Mary's here? You're on your home court. Go out and shock the world, so to say, and get BYU fans back on the bandwagon a little bit. You want to re-energize this fan base? Go out and upset St. Mary's and make Gonzaga fans also happy in the process. It'll be an interesting game. 8 o'clock tip. It's a big opportunity for BYU. I'm not saying that I'm expecting BYU to win, but that is the way if BYU is going to win it, you've got to go out and just and force the action. This will be televised on ESPN2 if you want to tune into it. Uh, nationally, it's a great opportunity. Late night uh, down there at the Marriott Center, and I very much am looking forward to being out there and watching it. Uh, I look, I'm lucky enough to have a press pass and go enjoy it. I'm expecting a, a very healthy crowd and plenty of booze for uh, St. Mary's and, of course, Randy Bennett, the smug little guy that he is. By the way, uh, what I hear about, Saint, uh, about Randy Bennett, <coughs> excuse me, is on the court, he is like almost uh, completely like 180 opposite off the court. It sounds like he's just an absolute gentleman off the court, but he knows what he's doing on the basketball court, and he's really good at what he does. Let's just let's put it that way. All right. Uh, quickly before we go here, we've been looking back at all 155 uh, BYU football games in their independent eras, uh, off-season series to get us ready for BYU's Big 12 era upcoming this summer. Well, we're going through the 2012 season, and we're going to talk about BYU and Hawaii. Now, uh, this was a game BYU had come off that 7-6 loss against Boise State. Riley Nelson had battered, battled through two games with a broken back, for lack of a better term. He had broken uh, uh, fractures in his lower back. He battled through it and was ineffective, to say the least. Absolutely awful against Boise State as BYU lost that game 7-6. to So, BYU comes back home with a tail between their legs, 2-2, two and two, as they host the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors with Norm Chow as their head coach. Now, Norm Chow, obviously a 27-year year assistant at BYU under Lavelle Edwards left uh, went on to have all kinds of success in North Carolina State USC all that stuff well this was his first and only posting as a head coach at the Division One level, uh, returning with the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors to take on the BYU Cougars. This Hawaii team was absolutely awful. BYU just absolutely dominated this game. BYU won at 47 to nothing. They ran for 396 yards, uh, three, excuse me, 394 yards uh, per the box score. And there are three notable things about this game that I, I feel like I need to mention. First, Taysom Hill's first start as a BYU quarterback, filling in for uh, Riley Nelson. He went 12 of 21, 112 yards passing, two touchdowns, and one interception. He also added 15 carries for 141 yards and one touchdown. Well, his backfield running mate making his first career start was this young buck, 17-year-old Jamal Williams out of Summit High School in Fontana, California. Now, Jamal was a guy that coming into BYU had recently had gotten a lot of uh, late in- recruiting interest from pro programs like Oregon, but him and his mom and Nicole felt like BYU was the right spot for him. But this was Jamal's first career start as well. Well, he responded with 15 carries and 155 yards, averaging 10.3 yards per carry. That's a great average. And by the way, the only reason he was starting is in a similar circumstance to Taysom Hill, Michael Elisa, who had been BYU starting running back, broke his forearm against Boise State and was lost uh, for for quite a while. So BYU gets these two freshmen, uh, Taysom Hill being a return missionary and also Jamal Williams, but they 
they previewed what was to come in the future for both of these guys. Both of them are NFL caliber guys. We all knew that playing at BYU. It's incredible to look back at this game, but they absolutely just dominated Hawaii. 54 rushes in the game, 394 yards, as I mentioned, 7.3 yards per carry. But the other thing about this game that I will always remember covering it. I was sitting in the press box at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and I, what I will always remember about this is uh, it, this was the, how do you say this uh, kindly? Uh, um, man, it was the Famika, okay, I was, it was the Famika Anai game. And what I mean by that is Famika Anai was a guy who was an offensive lineman at BYU, obviously the son of BYU, former BYU offensive coordinator Robert Anai. Famika Anai had never really played much football for BYU due to nagging injuries and that type of stuff. He finally got on the field in this game and just started cracking skulls, literally cracking skulls. Back-to-back plays, he made hits on two Hawaii defensive linemen that required stretchers to take them off the football field. That's what I will always remember about this game is Famika Anai just absolutely obliterating people because as, as uh, he's like flashing the pan for Famika. And by the way, he's gone on to have a nice coaching career, et cetera, in the college ranks. So it's a fantastic thing. But it's just crazy to think about uh, how he like blew up in this game and then receded right back. It's like that Homer Simpson gif where he kind of goes back into that hedge. It's kind of like that for Famika and I. So that's why I will always remember about this game is the first career starts for Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams. And by the way, talk about a great start for both of them in their first career starts. And then also Famika and I lighting it up as BYU absolutely just crushes Hawaii 47 to nothing. Uh, the other thing about this is this is one of the few games I feel like Bronco Mendenhall held a grudge because there had been a, I know I'm way over time on today's podcast, but there had been a conversation about Michael Wadsworth, who was a former BYU recruit that Hawaii was trying to get. Bronco was playing hardball with the transfer rules, and uh, Norm Chow took to the media to criticize BYU and Bronco. I think this is one of those games Bronco very rarely it felt like uh, was like, okay, I'm making a statement with this game. Felt like in this one may have been a little bit of a statement as they absolutely smoked the Rainbow Warriors uh, 47 to nothing. So, there you go. Uh, everything on today's show outside of the questions I did not get to on today's show. And uh, Kate Dallin, there's a number of you that sent in some questions that came in late. And maybe we'll get to them next week. I'll hold on to those ones till next week. So apologies if I did not get to your question on today's show, but we are already over time. Try and keep this around 30 minutes, make it digestible for you guys on a daily basis. So stick with us on those questions uh, going into next week. By the way, the next time we talk, do we have a big toll schedule? Uh, probably not, but... I am expecting uh, at some point next week, as all the reporting says that sometime in this next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometime next week, we are supposed to have a Big 12 schedule in hand. Let's get ready, folks. We'll have you covered all weekend long. Uh, we'll talk BYU basketball, whatever happens against St. Mary's, whatever the future looks like for Mark Pope and his squad this season. We'll talk about that. And like I said, we're waiting for that Big 12 schedule, and it's also National Signing Day next week. So a big week ahead on Locked On Cougars. Just keep it right here with us. Make us your first listen every single day. Also make your second listen. Our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast, get that free and available wherever you get your podcast. Also catch it on YouTube. That'll do it for myself. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hope you're all doing fantastic. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.